Hello, I'm Michael Caine. You might recognize me from certain movies like Alfie and Batman Begins and Secondhand Lions and, and, and what's that other movie I was in? I forget. Anyway, uh, no, it's not Michael Caine, it's me. And I'm here with Todd. Hi. And we're doing a podcast tonight. Yeah. I I, I, that was a pretty good impression of Michael Caine. I think it was top notch. Really? I think it was pretty good. Thanks, man. Yeah. I'm working on a lot of different impressions, and that's probably one of my stronger ones. What do you think of this one? Mm -hmm. Hello. My name is Todd Matsunaga. (laughs) (laughs) No? Not good? That's British. It was the British version of Todd Matsunaga. I wish I could do like JLP, you know, Jean Luc Picard. How about Jean-Claude Van Damme? Hey, guys, because of my big legs and karate, I can do the splits no prob with Uncle Frankie. That's perfect. (laughs) I have some cognac for Mr. Zang. Cognac for Mr. Z- okay, we should talk about Double Impact. Yeah, we should talk about Double Impact and what and, and like a slew of other shit that's happened. Yeah, a lot's happened. Ton of stuff has happened. All right, what day is it today? Uh, November. Let me check my phone. November twelfth. Okay, November twelfth. Yep. Here we go. So, Chris, we've been off for, what, two weeks now, three weeks? We took a couple of weeks. No, it was two weeks, right? Yeah. For a second there, I, I realized that we did five more episodes, and I thought it was done till oh, like, 2018. Yeah, took a year break again. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> till like, July 2018. No, 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 no. We're trying to keep this up. Yeah. It's, um. Yeah. It's kind of difficult sometimes. It can be hard, know? yeah. I spent uh, the last, you know couple of weeks, three weeks running back and forth between the hospital and my home and my parents' places. And yeah, your, your, your life's fucking pretty complicated. Yeah, right it's now. pretty, it's pretty chaos, pretty, pretty crazy. chaos, but, yeah. uh, things are looking up right now. So, uh, we decided to get back at this yeah. and there's yeah. quite a bit to talk about. Tons of things have happened. First thing I wanted to ask is yeah. how was your, how was your show? Uh, it was good. Thank you for asking. So why don't you enlighten the people as to who you open for, which I kind of freaked out about. Uh, yeah. So um, for all the listeners out there that don't know, I am the lead drummer for a band called Better Living Through Chemistry. We are based in Ottawa. We released a record about uh, three years ago, and we are just finishing up our second album, and I let Todd listen to a song off of the album. Yeah, it's good. We I don't want to play it on the podcast because not ready to do that yet. But uh, we did open on Friday for the Hoxley Workman. That's pretty intense. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, we played in Arm Prior at the John Street Pub, and uh, we played with uh, Hoxley and another band called the Lionels from Ottawa. Okay, so you just called it the John Street Pub, but yeah. you corrected me and said it was the St. John Pub. Yeah, you know what? I was wrong. It's actually the John Street Pub. Hell yes. Yeah, so wrong-o, chris They've had some crazy people in there. Uh, Jeff Martin. Yeah, they had the Age of Electric in there. They had Jeff Martin. They're, yeah. they're actually bringing some pretty big bands. Yeah. And, but the thing is, the room the room's kind of small. It's not that big. How, what's capacity in this place? Maybe 150 people. And what's the sound like in there? Uh, it's not bad. Yeah? It's a, it's a very elevated stage, and okay. it's like tucked into the corner of the of the bar. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a nice venue. They were really nice there, and uh, it was it was it was great to play with Hoxley Workman. I'm a big Hoxley Workman fan. So not and- a huge fan, but like I like I I intimately know. Uh, 
you know, a lot of his material. I did buy back in, I think it was in 2002 or 2003, uh, Last Night We Were the Delicious Wolves, which was his. Okay, uh, which. That was his debut. What were the singles off of that one? I know quite a few of his singles. I'm just not sure of the discography and the order of things. Or... The big single off that record, shit, I don't remember. It was, um, it wasn't Jealous of Your Cigarette. It was, no. I'll, I'll, can I just look it up here on my yeah. phone? Because there were quite a few songs of his on the radio, and not even just his from his records. Uh, he produced quite a few bands, too. Like I think he produced Into Your Heart from Hey Rosetta, like their first big release. Yeah, uh, he produced that whole record. He, I saw a movie called Boy on Bridge, um, which was the dude from uh, Great Big C, Alan Doyle. Uh, yep. It was kind of his life story, and yep. I guess he was involved in that. Uh, what oh, shit, I'm just you? looking at this. I mean, uh, this album, mm-hmm. Last Night We Were the Delicious Wolves, was released in 2001, and it had Striptease, which is a good, good song, yep. uh, Jealous, is, Jealous of Your Cigarette. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. Okay. I think those were the two, and Old Bloody Orange, I think, were those are the three singles off the record. Yeah. Um, but this was actually, I remember when this came out, I bought it because I was working in a music in a music store at the time. Yeah. And it was quite unlike anything I had heard. Yeah. He was he was quite unique back yeah. then. And he still is, really. He, yeah. Uh, nice guy, too, actually. I, I, I met him briefly. I had a bit of a Twitter exchange with him at one point. Where, a negative one or a No, it was, it was kind of a funny one. He, he was in Ottawa and yeah. he put out this tweet like, hey, anybody got a wheelchair? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, my mom's got a wheelchair. You need it? <laughs> my mom was like, yeah, sure. You can lend my wheelchair chair to me. You lent the wheelchair to Hawks Work? No, no, no. He was oh. like, hey, thanks, man. But uh, we found one. So. Oh, yeah, I know. He's, yeah. uh, he's a cool guy. I've actually seen him uh, a few times live. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a pretty uh, I did not see Mounties. No? Okay. No. I'm I'm kind of on the fence about Mounties, if I'm being completely honest. Really, eh? Yeah, and I shouldn't be, right? Because yeah. uh, it's like Steve Bays from Hot Odd Heat, Ryan Dahl, who I worship. The both of you, both you and I love Ryan Dahl. Yeah, I mean, I, I bought that album, Thrash Rock Legacy. The single off that was Tokyo Summer. Tokyo I think Summer. It. And then there's there's actually, there's a few interesting songs in there. There's another, another song called Hall and Oates. <laughs> it was like, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> It's it's interesting. It's a very interesting record, but it's pretty avant-garde. I yeah. found it to be a little a little you know out there. But um, no, it was a it was a good show on Friday. It was uh, he played without he played uh, with just a, a guitar, Mister Lonely on the keys. Okay, and that was just it was like a, a two piece. Oh and wow! It was an acoustic show pretty well, but he played an electric guitar with a huge Bigsby on a Les Paul. Oh wow! And um, man, the guy like you know the thing about Hawksley Workman that's kind of interesting. Um, I've seen him a few times, right? Yeah. But I think leading up to this, I, I really intently listened to the music that I had by Hoxley Workman. And I, he's very poetic and he, he really mashes up the whole cabaret glam, yeah. glam rock pop kind yeah. of thing really. And he's got a huge range in his voice. Like this guy's like a, a, a bonafide accomplished musician. Yeah. So and, how did, how did you get that? What did you do? Like, uh, the, the, the bar reached out to us. I guess they caught us on Bandcamp or something like that. And, and they were like, Hey, this would be a good match. And, uh, anyway, it actually worked out cause the soul, the, the show was really, uh, was not really, it was totally sold out. Yeah. Uh, this was pro it was actually a really fun night. We were, we were kind of like well rehearsed going into this. Like the, you know what the problem with our band is, what? is that, um, we only rehearse once a week, right? <laughs> yeah. And unless you, you have something- You don't want to do that. You yeah, don't want I mean, to do been, that going yeah. into that show. And you know, we, you and I used to play in a band together and we know what that's yeah. like. And I've been playing in bands for over 20 years in the city. And um, 
I used to play in a band called The Setbacks, which was a garage rock band. You guys were crazy tight. We Well, we worked to get that tight. Yeah. And that's kind of what the, topically, this is what I'm kind of talking about is, is when bands are that tight, it's, it's like, it's almost like a Steely Dan, Foo Fighter-esque yeah. kind of performance level. Yeah. You have to work at that. Like oh, yeah. you, you literally have to play the same songs two or three times a jam. And that jam has got to be like two hours. Yeah. And, and that's what we were kind of doing. Is and we were, more than once a week. Yeah. I mean, ideally twice a week, Yeah, you know, but when, like when I was in the setbacks, we got really, really tight in a year. Uh, there was, there was a, a tangible that. difference because mm-hmm. I saw, I remember I saw you guys playing for your first record, the blue record. Yeah. And then the next record came out and it kind was kind of finding our footing then, but yes. Yeah. I mean, the songs were great on, yeah. on that blue record. Uh-huh. Um, Thanks. and I saw you guys live yep. and you guys were tight. It was good. Yeah. But then you, when I, I think the next time I saw you were, you were at, uh, I can't remember what the venue was, but, uh, it just blew me away. I think it might've been the dominion actually. Yeah. The dominion was kind of our, was our, was our spot for a while. And, and it was, it was kind of funny with the setbacks because you know, it's, I was having this conversation on Friday night with a, with a, uh, a friend of mine mm-hmm. uh, who, was, who came to the show. But I remember when you and I were playing an understory together. Yeah. It was, you know, it was our first band, right? So it was, it was kind of a different vibe then. We were, yeah. it, you know, we were just starting out. And then I went on to do a record on my own that, like, without even trying, I had, like, media and the press, like, going, like, this is really cool. Cause no one was doing it in Ottawa. Yeah, it was, it was, well, it was, it was interesting because yeah, no one was, well, no, that's not true. Like this, this guy, like Rory Dem finest was doing it. Rory Gallagher. Yeah. But kind of knew a mutual acquaintance. But was he doing it on sort of a live setting with live instrumentation? Uh, No, he was doing more kind of like, like he had like an an Akai sampler. He was doing more more, kind of like a cold cut setup with Ninja Tune stuff. If you remember Ninja Tune and cold cut. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, when, when, I guess what I'm saying is like, I released this record called five different parts in like 2000, 1999, 2000. Yeah. Uh, Alan Wigney put me on the cover of the Ottawa Express that year. I remember. I think I was yeah. with you. You were on, that. you were on the cover. Sorry. That's yes. right. You, you and Chris McIntyre were on the cover. Yeah. Chris McIntyre also known if he's listening, also known as chameleonic. He's a member of jokers of the scene and pop district. He goes by pop district for some of his stuff. Phenomenal musician. Incredible musician, incredible and, producer, and then and then this other guy, Paul Sorensen, who we put together the band with. And what happened to that guy? He works for Salesforce now. I'm friends with him on LinkedIn. <laughs> he was he was a solid basis. Yeah, it was he cool. was a solid basis. Cool, yeah. Anyway, all this to say, I, I guess the the topic, the, what I was discussing on Friday was how when you're not really trying, people kind of like take more note of what you're doing if it's yeah. good. But if you're really trying, it's, it's different. It's just, it's just, there's all these different energies with something you might produce musically, right? It depends. I guess it depends on really what you want to do with it. It's kind of the same story of you see 8 billion Facebook ads and little clips of people that are really making a push. But if the songs aren't there, I mean, it's just, you know, next, 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 next. Yeah. It's, it's like with this band, I mean, now I'm in, I'm, I'm in this band, Better Living Through Chemistry. I'm playing with two other members of, the previous band I was in, the setbacks, who I've been recording and playing music with for more than 20 years. I went to high school with yeah. Trevor. Um, and, uh, and then I'm playing with my cousin who is kind of a, he's not kind of, but he's, he's a major veteran of the Ottawa music scene. He was the lead singer of a band called boy wonder. He's kind of one of the guys that we really looked up to when oh, yeah, we were we, playing. Lou you know? is like 
Lou, Lou, it's not that he was, he is, uh, a, um, somebody I admire creatively hugely. Yeah. Uh, and he, um, you know, he's kind of a force to be reckoned with, like, uh, in terms of his talent, like he's a great singer, but he's also a, uh, an absolutely and equally as fantastic lyricist. And he's got a really interesting, um, you know, kind of, uh, really gifted sense of melody, I find. So, he's a real song crafter. Like even, 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 you know, I'm totally like fucking jerking myself off here, but like, <laughs> you know, uh, the, all this to say the, the band that we are now is, is we've got kind of this, um, a lot of people have said that we have kind of like a 90 sound, which we yeah. do because yeah. that's a huge, that, that era hugely informed us. Total, totally fair. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, all this to say, you know, we're going to see what happens with this record. I'm kind of, I'm, we're all kind of anxious to get this out. And how long has that been going? Like how long have you been working on? We've it? been working on this album since April. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was yeah. funny because I, I put this post out, uh, mm -hmm. on, on January 1st, I think 2017. And I was like, I'm going to do an EP this year. And Chris is like, <laughs> Oh, you're finally going to fucking release this Chinese democracy. And I was like, shut up, man. Shut up. You know, <laughs> Todd's Chinese democracy. <laughs> but right now, right now I'm just working on, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, we always used to joke, you know, my mom would always be like, well, Todd, if you're not doing anything, why don't you do jingles? And I was like, I don't want to make hemorrhoid commercial songs or whatever. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't want to be Uncle Jesse in the basement, but uh, oh my god, that, that's kind of what I've been avoid it. It's kind of what I've been doing. You know, I've okay. got a, a bit of an agreement and a, a contract with a guy right now, and that's cool. what I've been working on. Yeah. And it's kind of been helping me uh, be more confident in arrangement and composition. So you know, you, man, you you have you have a, a serious talent for that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I I, I kind of enjoy. Uh, I mean, the more dramatic and cinematic elements of of music. Because you, you actually scored a video that I did for uh, a client of mine in my day job. Yes. And uh, you did a really fantastic job. You you have like almost a Wendy Melvoin, Lisa Coleman-esque kind of... That's a mad props, man. So yeah, no, you. really, man. Like, you, like you've got a, a, a really inherent ability to be able to score, cinematically score things. Yeah, so... I'm not jerking you off right now. And we're all doing talking about each other's music. <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you're doing right now. You're trying to segue into the Louis CK conversation right now. Aren't you? Uh, actually I wasn't, but we should talk about yeah, that. We should. That, well, it, this it, has just, been the most fucked up three weeks. Ever. I know. I know. But okay. So, mm. but let's, before we move on to yes. that, what, uh, like, what was this conversation you were having? Like, were you talking about? Oh yeah. Well, no, I was, well, the thing I was just talking about was, um, I think, you know, what you put into music will really determine how it's publicly or how it's perceived when you release it, right? Yeah. So, like, I just remember when we were in Understory, the first band we were in. Yeah. Granted, it was our first band, but I think we were all like, we got to make this work. I quit university. Like, it was, it was just, you know... We need to do that. At least I was doing that. So if there are any younger listeners, <laughs> if there are any younger listeners, the world was a completely different place back then. Totally different. It was, you know, a couple of people yeah. had keys to the kingdom. You know what I mean? So it oh, was. Totally. It was to and you know, you know, it's funny. I have the Days of Hope on DVD. Oh, God. And I was watching it with my wife. Yeah. And first of all, I have a full head of hair and a soul patch. And she was like, oh, my God, uh, you're so hot. I was like. Oh, thanks, baby. And, and like, and Derek looks exactly the same. I Derek know. was the, the the singer in our band. Yeah, Gus looks pretty similar too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, but the the what I was discussing with my friend on Friday was, 
when you're really, um, you're kind of all in with your material and you have a high expectation about pe- what people will think about it. Yeah. It generally won't happen in my experience. Yeah. When you have a low expectation, you're, you know what? I just want to kind of release this on my own terms and like, you know, deploy this the way collectively, how we want to do it, whatever the case is. And you kind of just don't care what people think. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a different energy that you put out there, which really informs what, how people perceive the material. Yeah, not not forced. And yeah, like I don't. There's no scientific basis at all to what I'm saying. No. It's it's like it's just a, a, a an instinct that I have. I feel like it's just a feeling, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, all this to say, um, I need this better living through chemistry second record to really work. I need to pay my mortgage. I'm putting so much pressure on myself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I need to make this band work. Man, you're... How? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's totally fun. We're middle-aged dudes. You know, whatever. It's, it's kind of strange because you and I have sort of seen a lot of people... Well, I don't know about a lot of people, but you know a lot of entrepreneurs. And over yes. the past couple of years, I've seen quite a few people leave the government and start taking on, um, you know, trying to start small businesses right. artistically. Right, right. Which is kind of why I wanted to have Brian Colicott on. Brian Colicott on when he was here. Um, he was fr- a great guest. Yeah, our yeah. friend, uh, our friend Derek's doing that right now. He yeah. he left the government to right. uh, do children's entertainment, which is yeah. crazy, you know. Right. Uh, you know, Gus for a while was doing the photography. Super talented. And I, I just uh, that's kind of wh- why I wanted to have those people on. Is I find it pretty interesting. You know, we're all in the cusp of or are 40 years old mm-hmm. and that people are are being braver now it looks like like mm-hmm. who would have thought about changing careers or marching in that direction when they're turning 40 or 40 like that's pretty late in the game you know what i mean yeah it was yeah no totally like would you if you had been working at future shop until now or working mm-hmm. even at healy until now mm-hmm. would you have the guts to do what you've done for the past like however long like leave that, start your own thing. No, I probably wouldn't have. I often think about this, you know, I'm 40 now where we're, you're, you're almost 40. Yeah, I'll be 40 next year. I, um, like, man, 20 years went by fast. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel that, um, that's like just snapped by. Well, there was a long period when I would call you mm-hmm. and it would be, you know, 11 or midnight and mm-hmm. you'd still be working. Like you'd still be out driving around, yeah. making deliveries. Yeah. Like I worked pretty hard to to um, get my business off the ground. Yeah. So I kind of find it's the same way or the same thing. And why I'm so fascinated with it right now is, you know, I'll never leave the government. I won't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm doing this thing on the side right now. Yeah. You know, I and because I have a day job. Yeah. Um, I'm not concerned about it. I'm not pressured by it i'm not uh i'm just remaining creative and doing what i want when Mm -hmm. i want and whether or not my tracks get used isn't my first consideration you know i'm not relying on a check from that right i'm just seeing how far i could go or how far i could take it or if i could get it on you know network television or on netflix you know which is something that i'm working towards right now so i actually kind of wanted to discuss this with you yeah uh because i'm going to tell you this on the air Okay. I don't care. Yes. But um, I've been watching a lot of Bar Rescue lately. Oh, yeah. With John Taffer. Yeah. And I actually talked to Gus about a idea that I had. Okay. And I'm going to just pitch it to you on the air here. Okay, yes. So um, just for context, I'm, I'm in business for my day job. So I run um, 
I own and run a small media company. And one of the things that we do is we press CDs and DVDs for a lot of local independent filmmakers, musicians. I'm, I'm, you know, um, I have the privilege of knowing a lot of people in the Ottawa music scene. Like right now I'm pressing a record for Lynn Miles and Lynn Hansen. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I've worked with like Our Lady Peace for vinyl stuff. Like it's, I've been doing this for a while and I'm, it's kind of cool that I get to engage with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these people in some cases that I grew up listening to hugely. Um, but one of the other things that I do is I'm also a founder in a small startup uh, for called Renting Well for Landlords. And I had this idea and I talked to Gus about it and Gus was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do a pilot. <laughs> but it's a tele- it's like a reality TV show pilot. And I wanted to discuss this with you. I'm going to talk to you about it on the air. All right. I'm going to pitch you, Todd, right. on the air. Okay. Okay. But this show, I'm a landlord. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I really am a landlord in real life. Yes. Okay? Yes. This is not, I, I started You wouldn't this, be acting. Yeah. I wouldn't be acting, but I started this software business with, with two friends of mine who are also uh, developers. Um, and we've been running it for about five years. We have customers in the US and Canada. So I came up with this idea because a lot of my week is spent talking to landlords, fellow landlords who are customers of ours, and often increasingly who have questions about the software that we, you know, that we, we have and certain legislations in different provinces and states. And I've become a little bit of an expert on these things. Right? Yeah. So in most reality TV shows, there needs to be a conflict and a resolution. That's, and, yeah, okay. What, what? Well, that's kind of perfect. Like the the well, landlord. That's, so yes. So yeah. I, 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 like I was saying, I watch a lot of bar rescue. Yeah. So I would be the landlord. So people call me, landlords and even tenants, when they have problems with that relationship. So I had this one idea about, you know, this is actually a real life uh, issue with a client of ours, with, yeah. with a user of ours. But it's an old, older lady, older elderly lady who lives in a duplex in Toronto. And uh, she relies on the income from the basement suite that she has. Okay, yeah. And she had a tenant in there for 11 years who like left about eight months ago, uh, ended up buying a condo mm-hmm. uh, in Oakville. So this tenant uh, who she relied on monetarily like left and she got a new tenant. And, uh, you know, 11 years is a long time, right? So this new tenant she got totally checked out seemed like a good fit and then ended up being a terrible tenant was consistently delinquent with so, their rent. So I, I've read quite a few articles, you right. know, on CBC. Right. And I, I think on your renting well site, you actually posted a couple articles on about, our blog, yeah. about professional tenants. Is that what you're talking about? Like uh, yeah. Yeah. Pe- exactly. People who know the score and will there's show a lot up. of them. There's yeah. a lot of them. I've even dealt with them. In my own really? experience, like, like, dude, why don't you explain what that is? Just in case people don't professional tenancy, uh, is when somebody games the laws to not pay their rent or put off paying the rent for as long as possible. So I think some of the tactics are, um, they damage the unit mm-hmm. and then they blame the landlord and say, this is something that you have to fix and you haven't done. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll dodge you right mm-hmm. for they'll any dodge. sort of payment. So where do how do people do that? How, how is it? I guess it's almost near impossible to evict people, right? Uh, no, it's not impossible. But the problem is, is that the vast majority of landlords, at least in, in Ontario, I can speak very frankly about this. Yeah. It's such a bureaucratic prov- uh, like process. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Residential Tenancy Act is, is very gray. It's very vague in some okay. areas. Okay. It's really open to certain interpretations. Um, 
and you know, most landlords just don't know the rules. Like they, they emotionally react to things when really what they should be doing is like just following the law and make, and you know, making the approach as airtight as possible. So is it a, a situation where there are mechanisms to get people out of the units, but yes. the bureaucracy makes it very, like a very long process Yes. in the meantime, you're not getting any rent paid? Well, here, I'll give you an example. So this is, okay. this is one of the ways that tenants can game the system. In Ontario, um, in most cases, uh, a, a, a leasee and a leasor will agree on that the first of the month is when they get paid on a yeah. monthly basis. T- in most typical year-long leases or month-to-month arrangements, the first of the month is when you get paid. If you don't pay on the first of the month, first of all, the landlord has to supply you a form called an N4. Okay. okay? And then once they supply that to you, assuming that they serve it to you correctly, they, the tenant has 14 days to settle up on that rent. Okay. If they don't pay after 14 full days, then the landlord must apply, pay $177 to apply with an L1 in this province. So that's out of the landlord's pocket. That's out of the landlord's pocket. Okay. Okay. In the meantime, the tenant hasn't paid. Okay. A hearing has to be scheduled. The landlord has to accept the documentation, serve it to the tenant in the appropriate way, because there's all these appropriate ways and proper ways to do it, or else your case will be thrown out. And then if it ends up getting to the tribunal at any point, the tenant can essentially just pay the rent and then the, the issue's the issue's done. But they can buy like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks in some cases and simply just pay the rent. And if that happens habitually, I've had a couple of instances yeah. of that. It's on the, it's, the landlord can apply for something called habitual late payment. Mm-hmm. And that, it's just another series of like, it's, it's like the landlord's got to pay. There And there's always a course of action where the tenant can essentially just address the issue. But in the meantime, they might have bought two weeks of time or three weeks of time or a month worth of time. Yeah. In some cases, uh, I've heard of people gaming the system for up to six or seven months, especially in Quebec. Quebec's got like really tenant-friendly laws where you essentially just can, can just keep on wasting time, like appealing a decision, stay in the unit yeah. in the meantime. Like, you know, so it, it, it can be really complex, you know? So anyway, all this to say, this show that I'm yes. pitching okay, you on, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got would be people call me, yep. and then I go and I essentially yell in their in people's faces like Gordon Ramsay or John Taffer, okay, which like I generally do anyway. So it'll be, it'll be great. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. Like, but what so do this, you get? What is your service? Like, what is your? Well, so this old, for instance, like the the you know the the pilot episode. Yep. The old lady calls me and is like, "Listen, I had this old tenant for eleven years." Now this new guy's in there. He's not paying me. He's avoiding me. And then when I do catch him on the, you know, when getting into his unit, sometimes he's aggressive with me. I don't feel good around him. I can't, I want to get him out. I don't know what to do. I'm not getting paid. She's having all these issues. Okay. Conflict, conflict yeah. established right there. So she's an old lady. And the guy that she's renting to is like some fucking tall asshole. Okay. okay? So she feels intimidated around the guy. She calls me. Yeah. And I fucking come in and I'm like slamming on his door. Like, bang, bang, bang. And he opens her. He's like, "Who are you?" I'm like, "I'm I'm Chris Aracino. Okay, I'm the, I'm the landlord guru." Yeah. And I and I fucking tell it. I tell it to him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, fuck you." And I'm like, "Fuck me, fuck you!" And then I'll just fucking start <laughs> ripping him a new one, and like setting and and resolving the issue and working with the with the landlord lady, the older lady, yeah, to to get this guy out and okay. successfully getting him out the proper way, and then getting her a new tenant and resolving the issue. Done. It's, that's that's the skeleton of it, but I actually think this could be good if it's done properly. Yeah, yeah. And also, sure. Netflix is looking at spending a fuck ton of money. I know on on Canadian content this year, and I, I think if, I think we could actually pull off a pilot with this, an hour long pilot, and then just see if there's any interest in it. It's pretty interesting, like 
What do you the, think, man? What do you think of this idea? No, no, I, I, yeah, I'd totally be in. I would totally, totally be in. Yeah. Yeah. See, when we launched the software, actually, sh we shot a promotional video where I played like this old Italian oh landlord who did everything. Can the, we post a link to this on, on the yeah, Facebook Yeah, it's page? on Vimeo. I'll, I'll, I'll find it. But we got such a huge reaction to this <laughs> yeah, video. It was, it was hilarious. Because we had these three types of- What was your name? My what? name was, uh, fuck, I forget. Joe oh, something. Yeah, yeah, Joe, uh, yeah, I can't I, remember. And, and like, you know, there was a conflict with these three landlords who were doing things the hard way. I got to find this. I got to find your oh, name, man. man. It, was, it was a lot of fun. We actually got a lot of, it was my first experience, like, shooting a video like that, like kind of like a, like a television worthy video. We kind of did it like an office documentary style, you know, but it ended up working well. We were, we worked with a local, local company called crafted stories. And yeah. That's a, it's a small operation, right? Yeah. It's a guy named Graham Rapsy. He's re, he's really cool. He's a, he's a, he's a cool guy to work with, but uh, it was a while ago, you know, oh, here we go. Meet renting well on Vimeo. Just search. If you can search renting well <laughs> uh, Vimeo, and it's the first thing that comes up. Joe DeBerto or something, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Anyway, you were hilarious. In Thanks, that. man. Yeah, yeah, and then the and then there was Clinton McGee, who was like the guy who has a spreadsheet <laughs> for every little thing and just does <laughs> yeah. things more complicated than they need to be. Anyway, who's the one that was like spilling coffee all oh, over? Oh yeah, place? she was great. She was a local actress. Yeah, um, yeah, she was. Uh, you know spilling coffee and documents and papers and stuff like that. I mean, the good thing is with that, I mean, obviously you would need, a, based on how long you would want episodes to be, you would mm -hmm. need a lot of music. And, yep. you know, with me having a full-time day job, I could provide some, but right. I also have this contact in Montreal now, and that's yeah. what he does. He's some, like a publisher. So, sure. so yeah, I could totally do that. I'm, I'm really, I'm motivated to do this because another show I've been watching a lot of lately is Nathan For You. Uh, what is that guy? Nathan Fielder. He's a, he's a comic from Vancouver. Okay. My friend, Steve turned me on to Nathan for you like a few years ago. Yeah. And I cannot get enough of this guy. He is so funny. Yeah, man. You got to check the show out. He he's, what is he's, it on? It's on the comedy network in Canada. And it's also on like the comedy channel. Okay. Um, in the U S or whatever. What's the com It's a comedy it's the network, comedy network. Sorry. Yeah. Comedy channel in Canada, but he's a guy who helps failing businesses and professionals with marketing their business with insane ideas. Okay. So he had, a, he had a frozen yogurt place in Los Angeles. Yeah. And he was like, we need to drum up some attention for your product. So let's make a poo flavored frozen yogurt. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Man. And then he had like dumb Starbucks. He like, he did a version of Starbucks that was just called dumb Starbucks <laughs> for a local, for a local coffee company. Uh, oh man. It's so funny. It's like so hilarious. That totally reminds me. I'm looking it up right now. Mm -hmm. uh, what was that movie with Dudley Moore where he was the ad? ad Crazy ad People. That was yeah. a good movie. So, you really good the movie. trailer. Yeah. Do you remember that trailer where you know they're they're coming up with all these these crazy ads, right? Which are pretty much just ads nowadays. You know, pretty well. Yeah. So, who was in that? It was Dudley Moore, Daryl Hannah, Paul Reiser. Oh man, did you watch uh, the second season of Stranger Things? I watched the whole thing with okay, my kids. Okay, so were you a bit stoked? Uh, spoiler alert, Stranger Things 2 if you haven't watched it yet. But were you a bit stoked when Paul Reiser was sitting there and it was totally the scene from Aliens? Mary is sitting there and they send the team in into the place where there's all the corridors. Oh, and yeah. You can see the dots moving in. I was like, man, this is. Dude, I know. And that, actually, I was talking about, you know, this is the fucking worst part about this show. My kids love it. Yeah. 
And we were driving to school one day and, and there, my kids love listening to the podcast. I'm going to be honest. Okay. The podcast is completely inappropriate for them to listen to, but they like it's listening horrible, to it. Yes. They're almost yes. 12. It's fine. Anyway. And, I, and you know, I'm always swearing at your kids I now. I'm You're always, always calling swearing you. at my kids. They, you know, the thing is they never swear. They, they hate swearing. Yeah. And they, and like, it's kind of turned into this weird dynamic now where it's like, listen, our dad swears. He's a swearaholic. Yeah. But like. It's a different, it's a different world out there, man. <laughs> it, I'm telling you, it's a different world out there. I know, there. it's totally different. So yeah, no, in Stranger Things, I was telling my my kids, like there were so many cues in Stranger Things too to other 80s movies yeah. and elements and stuff. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to them that whatever Paul Reiser's doctor character's name was, that whole thing, how they, you know, the, even the 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 demo, oh, I'm not going to give spoiler, spoiler alert, but you know, the demodogs, yeah. the creatures, like the plurality of the creatures. Yeah was totally aliens. It was totally aliens. It was aliens. totally aliens. Yeah. And they fucking cast Paul Reiser on purpose for that. I know, clearly. But clearly, especially because it was totally the scene where yeah. the team's totally. going in and Ripley's in that truck car thing yes. sitting there with Paul Reiser. Yes. And they're watching the aliens come in and they're all showing up on that radar. I know. Moving closer. And I was like, oh my God. The, the, the most fucked up thing about this is, so like, you know, they're, my kids are watching this show and I'm like, guys, that, that that's Sean Astin. And yeah. they're like, so? I'm like, no, he was the fucking yeah. guy in the Goonies. He yeah. was in the Goonies. And they're like, what's the Goonies? Oh, yeah. I'm like, the Goonies plays a huge role in this <laughs> fucking show. It's a pivotal element that yeah. influenced this show. And they're and and they have no reference for that, right? Yeah. And yeah. they have no they they they've seen ET, but they don't they don't it doesn't register with them the same way it registers with me how many cues are yeah. in stranger things from stuff from my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And it probably won't either. And I was, and I, this is another thing I was discussing with, uh, with somebody is that era, the eighties, you know, was just like a magical era. I think that you were saying, you were talking about this before that a single tear arrived in your eyes because yeah. it was such like a simpler time. And it was a simpler time, but I, the, the thing about the eighties and movies and pop culture in the eighties. Like, dude, think about it. There's so many kids, post-millennial kids who are, who like are, are obsessed with that era and they never lived in it. I know. I know. It's, it's weird. weird. And it's kind of, it's odd. Yeah, it is odd. It's it like, I'll give you an example. I was, I was on Facebook earlier this afternoon and John Carpenter, mm-hmm. who was an incredible composer. And like yep. some of, some of his films are my favorite films. Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness is a good movie, but like I'm talking like, have you ever seen Starman with Jeff Bridges? Starman, yes, I okay, have. That was up for an Oscar. Karen man. Allen was it? Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, and it was not a horror movie. No, it was a bit of a departure for him. Big Trouble in Little China, total, total cult classic. You know. Yep. That's, but John yeah. Carpenter was like one of the more original film directors, mm-hmm. um, and still is, as far as I'm concerned. You know, like he, he's like. Dude, even Ghost of Mars, like that's a fucking, well, it's I, unlike anything I've ever seen. He's got a real visual style to him that's like very unique. I mean, you listen to the soundtrack to Stranger Things that everyone's freaking out about right now. Well, take a listen to anything John Carpenter's ever know. done. You know, like, anything John Carpenter's ever done. Yeah. Uh, anything that Giorgio Marauder, 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 I think. Marauder, yeah. you yeah. know, Giorgio Jan from the Daft Punk <laughs> record. But no, uh, yeah, the, like this stuff has all been done before by yeah. people. Like, even, dude, you know, even Tron Legacy, when I watch Tron, like my, the kids love Tron Legacy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, what is Flynn's? It's like, fuck, you, we have to watch the first movie. But even if we did, you guys would be like, what is this garbage? Because 
compared to what they're used to, it doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean is, is there's so many of these cues and references to an era that the vast majority of the people who enjoy this stuff don't, they, they, they don't actually they don't see them. Yeah, they, they don't, don't see them. They don't actually get it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think this has ever happened before. It's really weird. I mean, occasionally, I don't know. Occasionally, I see, you know, in my suburban stronghold here. But occasionally, I'll see groups of kids riding their bikes around. But generally, it's in parks. Now, I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. you know, when I was growing up in the suburbs, that's all we did was ride around the neighborhood on our bikes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sound like such an old bastard right now, but you finished school and you came home at dark Mm -hmm. and then it was like, Oh, maybe some homework and then sleep rinse repeat. Mm -hmm. What happens now? You know, I talked to my daughter and it's, it's, it's very different. It's very, it's a very different world now, you know? Yeah. Kids kids want to spend more time with their parents now. I think, eh? like, is uh, I think so, but man, I'm not letting my kids fucking go around in a park. Like, I don't know. Dude, I don't know. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying it's very different. Oh, I think it's worse. I think, I think shit's fucked up, especially in Ottawa right now. Why? We should talk about that because no, man, like Ottawa's fucking turning into like pretty violent town. Yeah, there's some more gun violence. There's just generally Yeah, like more. I'm I'm not comfortable with uh you know, I'm really paranoid about like my kids getting abducted or something like that. I think that's why. Oh my things, god, knock on wood that that doesn't happen. Yeah, I know. I I don't want that. Like that's my That's nightmare. ultimate nightmare, yeah. What's for, that Peter Jackson movie? Uh where Stanley Tucci <laughs> is the killer. All I thought of immediately was what was it? Dead alive. Oh god, no. <laughs> No, I, I, I'm I very paranoid about, about that kind yeah. of thing. I, like I, I, you know, man, I've seen Taken. No. <laughs> yeah. And you no. don't have a particular set of skills. Like you would be no, relying would be the, on everyone else. I'd be the else. worst. Yeah. I'd, I'd you'd be call like, them up like, come on, man. I'd, I'd just be like, where's my fucking kid? <laughs> Fuck you. I, I would just like, I'd freak out. Yeah. I'd get killed immediately. I, you know, I wouldn't be all suave and stealthily. Oh, like Liam Neeson. No, I, I, that's, that's, I think that's I'm why. very protective of all this yeah. stuff. And like, I, I just, I like, maybe there was an era, maybe like, you know, there was a period when I was in high school or, or junior high school, especially where there was a lot of people obsessed with the sixties that never lived in the sixties. Yeah. Like all the doors, all the doors stuff for a while. And like psych- psychedelic, uh, summer love and all this stuff. Yeah. Like the, the, I've seen a lot seen of the music, hey? a lot of the music. Yeah. Yeah. But this is different because it's very informed by film now. Yeah. And by, and like the whole entertainment, the, the whole entertainment medium has changed now. Like Netflix is really, it's changing everything now. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Punisher comes out on fucking Friday, man. And I'm like, I'm ready to go. So what happens if Disney, like Disney Marvel is going to stay with Netflix? Is that confirmed or what I don't do they know. Say? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there, but it's, it's just interesting. Uh, it's interesting how these things are changing, you know, because, uh, I listened to another podcast called Startup that is produced by Gimli Studios. Okay. And um, I listened to it on Friday. And it also happened to be the same day that I signed up for Spotify Premium. Oh, wow. Okay. I, like, I haven't really given Spotify a full chance yet, but one of the things on the Startup podcast they talked about was Groove Shark. Okay. Remember Groove Shark? No. Groove Shark was, was this old music file sharing service post Napster that um, invent, invented something called the Preview. So early 2000? No. No, I, I don't know. Uh, I got to look it up. They're, they were based in Florida. Groove Shark. So you could, you could preview the track before you downloaded That's it. That's right. You could preview the track before you downloaded <laughs> it. You remember? And that it? essentially created streaming. 
Well, yeah, uh, but it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned that because how many times on Napster did you download something and uh, it was the shittiest worst. quality or it was something completely different? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, yeah, streaming. Wow. Groove Shark was a web-based music streaming service owned and operate, operated by Escape Media. Yeah. Um, it was started, launched in 2006, and it closed in 2015. It was like wow, so wow, it lasted quite a while. Then. It, it did, and and but the problem is, is that they did not have deals with any of the major labels. Yeah, and they got sued by Universal Music for like two billion dollars. So was it the classic argument? We're just providing a service. Yeah, for- it didn't work out. No. And in the meantime, Spotify had been founded in Sweden, and Spotify used a lot of their initial seed money to to negotiate for streaming rights to a lot of this content and then ended up just supplanting. So let me ask you this. Do you think that streaming is the future of music? I think so because I was fucking around on Spotify making playlists left, right, and center. Like Spotify really retains you in there like a fucking Ikea. Yeah, yeah. Like you you want to stay on Spotify to like build your playlists and then, you know, it's pretty it's pretty incredible, man. So how much, if, if you don't mind me asking, was your subscription to this? It's like $120 a year. Okay. But fuck, it's, it's, I think it's worth it. You know, like it's, it's, uh, it's a hell of an ecosystem of like, of music in there. You can find a lot of stuff. And like, there were things that I was finding in Spotify that I couldn't find in, in, in like iTunes. I'm trying to think of the percentage that I stream music versus any other thing. And like, generally I do my most, like the most of my music listening in the car, I guess mm-hmm. on commutes, you know? Yeah. So not much streaming is going on there. Yeah. I, I don't listen to music at work. I find it distracting because then that's all my mind does mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. think about that. And same with I'm, when I'm trying to rest, I'll stay up all night if mm-hmm. I have music going on. But mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, and the commute. So there's probably a lot of people like me, but there's probably, you know, in Canada anyway, mm-hmm. more people that are going the way of Spotify. What about Tidal? Is so. Tidal doing well? I think Tidal's doing good too. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're all doing well. Um, and that's the other thing too, is like with this, my new, my band's new album, we're doing all the legwork and mastering to mm-hmm. make it available on Tidal, Apple Music, Spotify, I think SoundCloud, et cetera, et cetera. I think if unlimited data plans on cell phones, like if unlimited plans become super affordable, yeah, then that'll be the death of any sort of, you know. Well, man, I have unlimited internet at home. I'm fucking, yeah. 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 So this is matter so can of time. you can you download playlists and then bring them in the I car think, i think you can you can make them available offline or, offline or actually download them yeah i'm still i'm kicking around with it really eh? yeah I'm, i feel so old at 40 years old on spotify <laughs> oh look at this where can i find some better than ezra <laughs> oh in the old fuck section on spotify yeah. anyway we should uh, we should talk about this other shit that's been going on the last three weeks well ago. i wanted to ask you about it because i i remember there was one christmas that you actually gifted me mm. I, I think it was louis ck at the beacon theater was that was it that one? yes it was very quite funny yeah and louis ck is funny yeah but the shit he did is not funny not funny and I found it interesting. I think he's pretty much the only person that said, yeah, these stories are true. Uh, yeah. And I think it's worth it to, you know, like, first of all, what are we at now? We've got Harvey Weinstein. Well, Bill Cosby blew this whole thing out. Yeah. Bill then Cosby, Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. George Takei. Yeah. That was recently. He's denying the, entire, the, denying the entire yeah, thing. Yeah, right? he is. Richard Dreyfus. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Uh, that Toback guy. 
James Toback, yeah, yeah. The, the film director. Uh, uh, some celebrity chef out of Louisiana. Yeah. You know, every major chef. Uh, yeah. It's it's um, it's it's crazy. Kevin Spacey, man. Ke- oh fuck, what am I talking about? Kevin Spacey. That that yeah. And man, it's like everybody. I know, I know. And the thing is, too, is I was. At the beginning, I was like, wow, that's crazy. I'm surprised. Mm. Not surprised. Man, like, I'm not surprised at all. No, I'm not surprised at all. But you know what is kind of baking my noodle a little bit? What? I was talking about this with my wife. Before November last year, okay? Yeah. I'm not making a political commentary, but I just, I find this fucking crazy. Is they were trying to nail Trump on all this. I don't like Trump at yeah. all, okay? Yeah. But they were trying to nail this, this, the, that pussy grabbing thing with Trump. Yeah. And nothing stuck. Yeah, nothing stuck. Nothing stuck. Yeah. And then fucking now all of the 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 all of Hollywood and the entertainment industry, which is which is overwhelmingly liberal and Democrat yeah. mostly, yeah. is getting it's like self evisceration. Yeah. And yeah. I just find this totally fucked up. Like like Weinstein was like a huge donor to the Democratic Party. Like even when I think about like Hillary Clinton, who mm-hmm. I honestly believe was a it was a very flawed candidate right from the get go. Okay. You know, I think she would have made a good president, but I think that that whole thing was a huge upset. I think I, I have so much to say on that, but even Bill Clinton was a fucking Bill Clinton was the original asshole. Like, yeah. He was the, he was, the, yeah, that you know, was kind of, he was totally at like these, these, these things exist on a spectrum. Right. But in the, in the court of public opinion, they're all like, everybody's equally as guilty. Yeah. Like Louis CK was, what he's guilty of, according to what I understand, is sexual misconduct. He yes. didn't rape anybody, and he didn't sexually assault anybody. He actually asked uh, people before he got naked as they're jerking off. But you know, that's still awful. You know, he put he. What did he say? Cool. In, what did he say in the statement that he put them in a predicament? And yeah, I can see exactly what he's talking about. Right? I mean, you yeah. go in, it's someone that you admire, and they're like, "Hey, mind if I do this?" Like. That's the ultimate fucked up situation right there. Like, yes, man. Like, what do you want people to say? Like who wakes up in the morning and thinks like, well, I'm going to go into work today and try this out. See what happens. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I I was kind of shocked about Louis CK mostly because a lot of his standup, which is observational in nature Mm -hmm. includes, um, I find he actually touches up on the, on the, the, the morality lecture a lot of the time. Yeah. Like one of the big things he says is like, if I offend you, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, I don't have the right to, to go, you know, what are you so upset about kind of thing? It was like something like that. Like, you know, he, he's, he's, he always brings things back to like, it's very important to be accountable for when you need to be sensitive to people. It's respect, about respect yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then like this shit comes out and I'm just like, what? Like, yeah, there's, there's, there's what's two wrong with people. This guy? It's, there's sort of two lives lived, right? In all these cases, the public, the yeah. public view and then what's actually happening. But, but it's not even just that, man. It's like, it's even Meryl, like Meryl Streep was like really defending Roman Polanski there for a while. That's fucked up. Uh, well, yeah. And like, the thing I don't <laughs> understand is Holy what's, what's your two cents on Roman Polanski? Like he's a convicted child rapist. Yeah. And he just fucked off to Europe and. Like what's you know he but he escaped the consequences of yeah. his of his of you know of his of his crime yeah and like just stayed in Europe it, it, like fuck man it's like really the, weird or it's, even Woody Allen like Woody, Woody Allen like, like yeah. Woody Allen who's still um I don't know man it it just seems to me like there's a lot of double standards when it comes to this stuff yeah I don't know it's weird 
And it, I don't think this is going to slow down anytime soon. No, no, no. It's it's definitely who's next. You know who? I told them I'm not making jokes or whatever, but we were, you know, there were people over last night, and they were saying it's almost like they should start a pool of who it's going to be next. Yeah. You know, like because at this point with the surprises, like. Could be anybody, man. It could be anybody. Anybody. It could be literally you know? anybody. It's totally screwed up. And yeah. I don't even know what to say, man. It's totally fucked. Yeah. It's so, fucked. Clean up your act. Yeah. Holy shit. I'm curious to see what else is going to come out in the woodwork in the next little while. Yeah. You know. Anyway, subject change. Yeah. <laughs> Had to I'm, get that off. I'm Michael Kane. How are we doing on time? Uh, we're at about 48 minutes right now. Um, so we've got like 12. And if you bring up Fucking Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Justice League. Justice coming League out. is coming, it's coming out. soon. That's coming soon. Thor Ragnarok. Jody and I are going to go check that out tomorrow. Did you watch it? Uh, we saw it. Okay. What are you giving it out of ten? I had a bit of a problem with Thor Ragnarok. Oh god. Yeah. I uh, and I was talking about this with uh, one of my children's friends' dads. Um, this is my problem. I thought Thor Ragnarok was uh, an okay movie. Okay. I thought it was entertaining. Okay. I thought it was a little jumbled in terms of the, um, the story. Because they tried to pack two stories into one. Like, isn't it basically, um, spoiler alert, I guess, Thor Ragnarok? Like, to me, to me, the draw of that movie, like, Kate Blanchett looks fucking badass. In She's, it, she was an interesting villain. So, and then the rest, they try to jam, you know, Planet Hulk into it, I guess? Yeah, they, they, the, the problem I have with the movie... Was that it's essentially a flight of the Concords show? Okay, it's it's uh, Taika Waititi, which who was was a writer for Flight, yeah. like his buddies with Jermaine and Brit, and he's a Kiwi comedian. He was also in the Green Lantern, uh, but he he you know he's uh, at the forefront of that humor movement that you know that New Zealand uh, Kiwi Australian humor movement, yeah. you know that kind of humor. Uh, so it was like full of that, like th- like and you know I don't think that the Hulk is funny. Like that's what I, that's yeah, something okay. I had a little bit of a problem with is okay. like the Hulk was, was terrifying Yeah, and now they made him funny, you know? And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I well, couldn't that reconcile was, that. was that. his whole thing, right? The whole, the whole Hulk thing was, especially in Planet Hulk, that, that was not joy. In Planet Hulk, he got so angry like they were calling him yeah. the world breaker or, you know, he could have, yeah, and comic. I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie, No, but in the comic, you know, he could have smashed the planet. And then that's when he there's came no, to Earth. there's no ceiling to his strength. Yeah. So, you know, after that, that's when, you know, world war Hulk started, he came to earth and was basically unstoppable. He was that angry, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he, at, uh, who was in that? The Illuminati. I know he met, That's right. he met Black Bolt on the moon and beat the shit out of him. And then he ended up, I think it was Dr. Strange, uh, Reed Richards. Oh, who yeah. was in it, man? Professor X? Uh, anyway. I don't remember. I'm not going to remember was, who was yeah. in it, but they all, in the comic, they all sent him away. And yeah. he had all these things happen on Planet Hulk. And then he got some other things happen that really pissed him off. And mm-hmm. he came to Earth and it took... The century, the century to yeah. stop him, and it ended pretty much in a stalemate. So that's how overpowered he was at that point. And Century is like an extraordinarily powerful character in the yeah, Marvel it's, universe. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So, so it was a dark story, man. It was a very yeah. It, it but was they, a pretty but dark that's story. not what they did with the fucking movie, man. Okay. Okay. No, they they took this comical, campy, 
approach to it. And Guardians of the Galaxy with it's Thor like it's like they were trying to do Guardians of the Galaxy. And I, I was I was talking about this with my with my friend Eris, uh, who's also a big kind of nerd, you know, nerdy comic book geek. But um, yeah, I think they're kind of running out of steam, man, with the with the comic genre. It's there's some oversaturation going on. Yeah, definitely. like Guardians of the Galaxy and the second one were good movies. The story was super wa- like airtight, watertight, and that's what I mean. Is like if the story is really solid and good, okay. and if it's if it's executed directorially, yeah. you know, um, in terms of like the storyboards and the look, and the, if it all comes together. But if the foundation of of a good story is there, the movie will be good. Yeah. Um, like I saw it. Yep. And uh, that was good. Because the, the original story was pretty good. It was very good. The one that we watched recently was uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, that was another really loose, weird movie. Like, it was entertaining, but it, uh, it's like, it's I like think a fucking that, product placement, man. I th- yeah, I think that's what they were saying. It was, it was kind of good because it wasn't grand on the scale of the Avengers. It was like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, you know? It was one yeah. enemy. Yeah. There was no big cliffhanger. No. There was no, you know, it just said Spider-Man will return. Um, and then at the end, you know, the post credit scene wasn't yeah. like, you know, crazy, but I think the, the mistake is that we're so used to this cycle of Marvel being mm-hmm. like, okay, so here's the conflict. Here it is half yeah. resolved at the end. Yeah. Here's when's the next movie. Right. Here's the post credit scene that gives you a little nugget of something. Yeah. So I, it leaves you sort of feeling wanting at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming. I yeah. Think. Like it was, it was just kind of like, I almost feel like the movies are being split up into two kind of broad categories, which yeah. is like substantial Marvel comic book movies. Yeah. Like the winter soldier, which was like a fucking great movie, like civil war. Great movie. The first Iron Man for its time, especially was like a solid, you know, it's a formula, yeah. right? But it was good. Uh, Age of Ultron, like anything, or the Avengers, anything Joss Whedon has touched is generally is very story centric. So those are like in the, in the, you know, substantial solid Marvel camp, Yes, you know, Marvel category, the flagship, the, you know, the, the, the good stuff. Right. And then there's like, you know, the Ant-Mans and like the fucking Spider-Man homecoming. uh, I gotta say though, that Tom Holland's pretty, pretty good, man. Like I enjoy him as Spider-Man, you know, he's good, but it's. I think everybody it's pretty just, much agrees he's pretty decent. It's like a watered down version of, of a Marvel movie. You yeah. Know? Yeah, definitely. And that's what I kind of felt like Thor Ragnarok was. It was like, I, th- I thought the first two movies were better than this one. I thought this one was trying to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. And it was trying to take the franchise in a different direction. I was just like, I don't know if this works, right? I mean, the, this, the Hulk is terrifying. Yeah. And now he's a big idiot. Like, well, I know he's a big idiot, but like. They want to do two more movies now with the Hulk, right? And Ruffalo. Yeah, but if like they should keep that character dark because yeah, it's supposed to be this Jekyll and Hyde esque kind of you know element. Yeah, not comical like in the comics. The the Hulk is terrifying. Yeah, you know the whole idea is that he's conflicted because he's like this mild mannered genius. Well, he, he's and he's often, fighting for the body. <laughs> he's often portrayed as the villain too. I don't know if you've read or seen anything about Old Man Logan. Oh, dude, that was yeah, that, that was awesome. So I mean, he's one of the Main Logan was that. a great movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Logan was a solid movie. Yeah. And I thought the Wolverine was a really good movie too. So did you think that was a good send off for Hugh Jackman? Yeah, oh, totally. I thought that was, I, I think um, that movie was one of the best comic book movies I've seen. Yeah, it, was it was really good. It man. was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was, 
But see, really maybe like that's why, right? It mm-hmm. was sort of miles away than the traditional superhero movie that mm-hmm. we've had, you mm-hmm. know, hitting it. And maybe it's the fact that it was an R rating. Maybe it wasn't uh, pandering to the widest audience. You know what I mean? It was, it yeah. was, I think it was generally maybe for older people, you know? But this is kind of what we were talking about earlier is, you know, we live in the air in the last 20 years of essentially what is a series of franchises. Yeah. What good stand like, you know, when I saw Aliens, you know, uh, I was like, wow, this is a rare occasion where the sequel is as good, if not arguably better than the first one. Yeah. You know, uh, we're not fucking innovating in, in movies anymore. No, like, no. like what I mean by that is like, we're not developing a lot of like super original stuff that is standalone. Yeah. You know, like give me like, the like, last ones that I it. saw, I guess the matrix was a big one when it came out. The matrix was good. Yeah. Um, the first one, the first one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, they, was, they, it was a very unique movie. It wasn't a fucking amazing film, but it was, it was good. no, but I'm just saying like an original, Yeah, but uh, it wasn't though, because it was based on an, an, an anime comic. I know, but I'm talking yes. about like movies that yes, came it, in yes, that's that true. I could have just walked in major anything, turn in that movie you know? too blew my mind. But anyway, yes. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're right. No, but like, like what, when's the last time we had like a French connection come out? Yeah. You know, when's the last time we had an alien come out? When's the last time we had. It, some- it does feel like all that's coming out is comic book movies now. Sort of. Yeah. And I, that's what I mean is I kind of feel that this is coming to a close now. It, well, it's going to, like it's going to collapse do, under its own weight. Even fucking Star Wars. Yeah. Like I was pretty Jones to see the force awakens, but let's be honest. It wasn't a great movie. It was essentially just a rehash of Star Wars. Yeah. So and that's what I, I mean. Is like Lucas, that was an original. I thought George so Lucas's prequels were better with than that. The Last Jedi, are you expecting The Empire Strikes Back now? Like, well, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> the, 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 the jury's out on that because like, the, like they've got good directors, but ultimately these are major studios who are pushing this with an agenda. Like back in the day, George Lucas made that movie. He took a gamble. He self-financed most of it and was like, yeah, there's, you there's know, not a lot of gambles going no, on. No, he's like, this is Flash Gordon. This is my version of Flash Gordon. Yeah. Like, can you honestly name a good standalone movie that you've seen, which was like super original, original story, didn't queue up on something, like was, was really like a, 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 you know, a really original birthing of a story. It's a tough one. Yeah. We live in, in, in an era where like Ridley Scott is revisiting the alien franchise, like with two ho-hum movies. Yeah. You know, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Like Quentin Tarantino. Well, yeah, that, that was actually a beautifully shot, very slow moving movie, but it was a great movie. Well, the, yeah, I mean, the first one was too. Quentin right? Tarantino is really the only guy who's doing some good stuff, man. Uh, did you see The Hateful Eight? No, you told me to watch Fuck, that. Fuck, it time. was amazing. I worked with a guy and he was like, you have to watch You've got to watch that movie. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Not the greatest Quentin Tarantino movie I've ever seen, but it's like fucking That's up. That's the there. other thing too, is you find a lot of, we're, we're sort of conditioned now for the immediate hit, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what everyone was saying is that, you know, Hateful Eight's a slow burn, but it's worth it. Like it's you, worth it. It's fucking know? crazy. Yeah. You know, so. It's yeah. very violent too. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Check it uh, out. Well, I guess I'll, uh, I'll see you next week, man. We're coming in at the hour mark. That was a good podcast. I enjoyed it. Yes. It Should was I good. sign off with Michael Caine? Yes. Michael Caine. Thank you for listening to Only Specific with Michael Caine and Todd Matsunaga. <laughs> Cheerio. <laughs> <laughs>